Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. To Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kate Crosby, nutrition educator and counselor. And Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company that understands food matters for the health of your brain. And I'm Brenna Thompson, licensed and registered dietitian, and I'm co-hosting with Kate today. And we have a very interesting topic to share with you. We're going to be talking about nutrition for ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I'm not sure many of our listeners realize that approximately 5% of adults struggle with ADHD, just as Brenna said, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So how would you know? Well, some of the symptoms are it can show up as distractibility, a short attention span. Maybe you've got a lot of problems with time management, or maybe you're disorganized. It could show up as impulsivity and even procrastination. Or as a new client of mine told me this week who does have ADHD, she explained it to me this way. She feels like she's in a TV control room with six to eight different TVs on, and it's impossible to focus on any one. That sounds like a pretty accurate description right there. (laughs) Yes. So ADHD can certainly affect children's lives. I think that's where we first think is like, oh, kids with ADHD. But. But. Adults. And senior citizens can have it, too. Yep. So here's a couple interesting facts for you. Two million more U.S. children ages 4 to 17 years old have been diagnosed with ADHD in 2011 compared to 2003. So that bears repeating. Two million more kids with ADHD between 2003 to 2011. And I hate to think what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and two-thirds of those kids take medication Mm -hmm. to treat their ADHD. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as nutritionists and nutrition educators, we always have to ask ourselves, do you think there could be a food connection to this significant increase of children being diagnosed with ADHD? Definitely something to think about, Rana. Right. And I, it just kind of makes me think about when I was a kid, I remember there being maybe one girl in my elementary school or well in my class. Yes. That probably had ADHD. Yes, exactly. we know that it's way more than that right now. And as nutritionists, we find that eating the right kind of foods can help the brain function better, Mm. resulting in fewer symptoms. So do you think that eating the right foods will take away all of the symptoms for all the people who have ADHD? Well, of Mm. course not. No. No, no. But good nutrition... And eating the right foods can absolutely help reduce those symptoms, while eating the wrong foods can and most likely will increase the symptoms. Well, yeah, for me, I like to share sort of how eating the wrong foods doesn't help me. Right. (laughs) And how important eating the right foods is. For instance, if I eat too many of those Hail Mary chocolate tartlets, 
Do you know what those things are? I have seen them. I haven't mm. tried one yet. They're nummy. They're, they're sort of almond-based with chocolate. And, mm, they're delicious. However, if I eat too many of those, I end up feeling really anxious and I get really impulsive. Mm-hmm. And I end up talking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a riot. <laughs> On the other hand, you know, I don't have ADHD, but I know that if I don't eat enough hamburger or eggs mm-hmm. or fish, all sources of protein throughout the day, yeah, I end up getting really spacey. Yes. And I, I can't think clearly. I can't get anything done. I'm not my usual enthusiastic, motivated self. I also get really tired. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always, I'm the person who's always looking for the next meal or snack, but it has to start with protein Yes, for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of the same way where I noticed several years ago where if breakfast kind of got skipped Ooh. or if lunch gets too late or I didn't eat enough yeah. at one of those meals, I call it squirrel brain. <laughs> exactly. I am, you know, it's like, oh, what's that shiny object? <laughs> yes. Looking here, looking there, everything looks good, but you can't figure out what you're doing or but I, how yeah. to stay on task. Yes. And it makes yeah. it really hard to work with clients. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so let's take a look at how fast food affects brain function. Okay. Listeners, consider this. You have all three of your kids. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you don't yet. Maybe you mm-hmm. only got two, but <laughs> you got two or three of them lined up in their car seats right behind you in your car, or your minivan. And to save time and energy, you're going to pull into the fast food lane and order some chicken nuggets, some French fries, and maybe a fruit drink or some juice Mm -hmm. for each of those kids. But what exactly is in that fast food? Mm -hmm. Have you thought about that? Yeah, exactly. Well, that was me many times Mm -hmm. growing up with my my kids. Um, So I'm... Hope you're ready for this, but that (laughs) chicken nugget that's sold in most of those fast food restaurants, it contains over 40 different ingredients. And I bet 40. Woo! I mean, we have a slide that we list all of the ingredients in a lot of our classes. And that's not just at the fast food restaurants. You know where else that might be? Where? School cafeterias. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So over 40 different ingredients in that chicken nugget. Now, that's a real eye-opener. I thought it might have been like five. Ten, ten. maybe. Yeah. yeah. So let's break it down. The first ingredient is white boneless chicken, which... Well, that sounds good. Okay, so we got real protein. And that's good for the brain. Mm-hmm. Next ingredient is water. Okay, that's you know pretty benign. The third ingredient listed is modified food starch. Oh, yeah. So, Brenna, you're the researcher. What the heck is modified food starch? Well, modified food starches are typically used in foods to thicken, stabilize, or emulsify. Just means helping to keep kind of like the watery ingredients combined with the fatty ingredients. Yep. Yeah. So, food manufacturers sometimes use modified food starch to increase the shelf life of a product or to ensure that that food product can withstand, say, heating and freezing. So, so it keeps the texture together. And, yeah. yeah. So, you think a chicken nugget that's going to come in frozen mm-hmm. and it's going to have to then get fried. So, heating and freezing. Yep. So, the most common modified food starches are made from wheat, corn, potato, or tapioca. Hmm. So, think about this scenario. Maybe your youngest daughter, who's sitting in the middle car seat, has ADHD, and she also has a wheat or gluten sensitivity or maybe a corn sensitivity. Mm -hmm. You don't know this yet, but Uh, she's got it. mm -hmm. So after she eats her chicken nuggets, 
she starts experiencing some of those ADHD symptoms. And she has no control over it. Absolutely. So she starts hitting her brother, grabbing her sister's toy, you know, just talking nonstop. (laughs) Screaming. Screaming, kicking, you know, just maybe total meltdown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All because of this one single ingredient, that modified food starch, which for her is very bad for her brain. Absolutely. Other people, I think this is where it's like other people could eat that and be like, no problem. No problem. But not for this little girl. Not for her. No, no. Now, remember, there are over 40 different ingredients in that chicken nugget. So let's look at some of the other ingredients. Uh, There's some wheat starch in it. Okay, that's a little more gluten. And dextrose, that's just a form of sugar. And then there's cornstarch plus aluminum phosphate, monocalcium phosphate. And the list goes on and on. And, And all of this is in just one chicken nugget. Well, and on that list, Kate, I don't know if you've ever looked at it. The very last ingredient, do you know what it is? What is it? It's an anti-foaming agent. Oh, I really needed that. (laughs) (laughs) And I always look at my class that I'm teaching and I go, I don't know about you, but when I cook chicken, it doesn't get foamy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And here's some fascinating research that was conducted in the Netherlands. The study published in the Lancet Journal in February of 2011 found that 64% of all cases of children with ADHD were either caused by or connected to a food sensitivity. Hmm. Okay, 64%. That's huge. That's huge. Of all cases of kids with ADHD were caused or connected to a food sensitivity. So we have some good news. Food is the main cause of ADHD, which means that we can do something about, do something it. about it. Yes. So imagine you're a parent of a child with ADHD or maybe you are an adult with ADHD. Can you wrap your head around that fact that this study found that food was the main cause of ADHD? You know, as nutritionists and nutrition educators, we do believe food may be one of the causes. And the result of this study really are are, the results are worth repeating. Sixty four percent of the diagnosed cases of ADHD in this study were caused by or connected to sensitivity to certain foods. So when we come back, we'll talk about the fries, the French fries and some of these other food sensitivities. You bet. So. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Have you been a yo-yo dieter in the past and now you struggle with your weight because sadly you just can't seem to get your metabolism to work? So stay tuned because when we come back from break, Brenna will share some reasons why you may be having this struggle. And if you've got questions for us today, call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. In the past, did you diet, lose weight, and regain the weight? Then end up doing it all over again and again and again? Mm. We hear that from a lot of clients. Yes. The very act of losing weight on a low-fat, low-calorie diet sets you up to lose muscle mass, which triggers your body to fight back by increasing hunger, slowing your metabolism, and encouraging fat storage. Two research studies conducted in 2012 and 2013 of female twins found the more frequent the cycles of yo-yo dieting, the greater the increase in body weight over time. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yep. And I think a lot of people could say, yep, that's what Mm -hmm. happened. 
So at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we encourage you to get off that yo-yo dieting roller coaster. In our Nutrition for Weight Loss classes, we teach you to eat more to maintain your muscle mass and your metabolism. Are you interested in learning more? We'll just go to our website, weightandwellness.com, or call the office at 651-699-3438 to get answers to your questions. And Kate, we have a caller this morning. Okay. I believe we've got Miss Brandy on the line. Good morning, Brandy. You have a question for us? Good morning. I do. Um, so I have a six-year-old boy who uh, has recently been diagnosed by a child psychologist with a mood disorder, um, which just a lot of people would look like ADHD, um, and they haven't completely, completely ruled that out, but his diagnosis right now is a mood disorder. Um, so my question is, have you seen or are there any studies that show that food can affect a mood disorder the same as it would ADHD? Um, and how do we get our children or the person tested or find out about the wheat sensitivity? Because we've, we've done food testing and food allergy testing. He doesn't have... Mm-hmm. the allergy, Correct. but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have the sensitivity. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. You know, I think testing is uh, sometimes helpful, but not necessary. I think that your best bet is to actually take a food out and see how he does for a period of time. And for ADHD, okay. I think the big two or three that we would say would be big gluten, concerns. dairy, sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you might start, you know, just by making sure that he's uh, eating enough protein and that his meals are balanced with protein, some fruits and vegetables, and some healthy fats. We'll talk about these in the show today for sure. Um, The idea of eating a balanced meal for someone with a mood disorder or ADHD is really critical in terms of helping the brain function properly. Yeah. Okay. So, so what uh, does what does an elimination diet then look like for a six year old? I would consider us our our family pretty educated. Um, protein's really big in our family. You know, we might stop at McDonald's once a month, but it's certainly not a an everyday mm-hmm, thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's so a typical breakfast of, for you or for him? Uh, yeah, for him. Yeah, typical breakfast. Um, kind of depending on the day, I'll do um, like yesterday morning. Let's say I did. Um, Homemade pumpkin muffins, coconut oil, eggs, um, and then uh, two scrambled eggs for him. So breakfast is something I can control for yes, him. Right. Um, school, he won't eat. He won't eat a cool bunch that I send him. So he mm-hmm. he wants to eat what his friends are eating at school. So I can't control that. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I really pack in protein and healthy fats. Not that he never gets carbs or treats because he certainly does. But it's it's the occasional. Yep. So was the protein muffin made with uh, wheat flour? Yes. Yeah. And that's where I would probably make a, an adjustment. Um, we have a great recipe for a protein muffin using some protein powder as and almond, almond flour. flour. Yep. Um, it's in our cookbook that you can buy online. Uh, and okay. it is a fantastic uh, muffin recipe. But you do, just like you did you know, need to um, add a little more protein to balance mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. breakfast. And it could be Which sausage you're doing or your with eggs. The, with the eggs. And, yep. mm-hmm. um, 
you know, maybe just slowly working on. I mean, because if you're going to do it, you got to do it. So he's going to have to so start it's 100% taking lunch. Gone. We it would be a hundred percent gone. Yeah, yeah, and okay. and you know, I just want to emphasize the fact that this is this can often be a process. I know for myself, making a lot of these changes has taken years. And um, as much as I've wanted to jump on the bandwagon 100%, you know, there's, there's some resistance for a while. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard, yeah. being patient is really critical. Yes. Okay. Okay. But it can make a big difference. I've seen it in so yes. many clients. Yes. Whether it is ADHD or anxiety or depression. Right. Um, clients with bipolar disorder. Yep. It makes so a difference. You're really heading in the right direction. And I applaud you for all the work that you are doing. With your son, I think it will pay off. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much. You're thank welcome. you, Brandy. Thanks for your call. Okay. You know, before we went to break, we were talking about that fast food meal. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, uh, you had talked about the, the chicken nuggets. So let's talk about the French fries that, of course, that you've ordered. And, you know, you always have to ask yourself when you order these foods, well, for instance, are these French fries good for my brain or bad for my brain? Now, it probably won't shock you to learn that the average fast food order of French fries, or it will shock you, actually. I was shocked by this. Yeah. The fast food uh, order of French fries has 19 different ingredients. It's a French fry. It's a fry. (laughs) It's a a potato. Right. That's right. 19 different ones in an order of French fries. So, Brenna, how about helping us break that down? All right. So, yes, the first ingredient is a potato, which we believe could be good for the brain. However, the second ingredient is vegetable oil. Oh, yeah. yeah. Vegetable oil, typically in the form of canola, soybean, maybe a hydrogenated soybean oil. They're all refined. They're all damaged and they are terrible for our brain. Really, really bad. This yes. is a concern. Yeah. So when we think about the fact that our brain consists of 60 to 70 percent fat, well, we know for a well-functioning brain, we don't want to put those refined, damaged fats into our brain or into our kids' brains. So the recommended fats, and this is to our caller from mm-hmm. a minute ago. It sounds like she's kind of got this down. Yes. Um, here's some good fats. Olive oil, and that includes olives, too. Yes. Coconut oil, butter. Who doesn't love that? Avocados. So that can mean guacamole, too. And nuts and seeds, nut butter, and, of course, omega-3 essential fatty acids. Like fish oil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so back to those ingredients. A sugar known as dextrose, anytime you see the O-S-E, O-S, at the end of an ingredient, that means sugar. So that dextrose is added to give those french fries their perfect golden color. Hmm. And then there's sodium and pyrophosphate. <laughs> that sounds like something that would start on fire. I know, right? <laughs> those are added to keep the potatoes from turning gray after they freeze them. And then there's some citric acid. And that's added to maintain freshness. And the list goes on and on. on. and on. Yeah. yeah. So you really have got to ask yourself, and am I engaged in a risky behavior when I feed my child or children fast food French fries? And as a nutrition educator, we'd have to say yes. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's We're already to break another... time here again. Break. Yes. Two. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. You know, on every show, we caution people to give up damaged fats, those damaged refined fats and oils, just like we did. So we're really proud to have Sally Fallon, author of 
Nourishing Fats, Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness. To join us, joining us next week on Dishing Up Nutrition, she'll have a lively discussion with Cara and Cassie. Now, Sally Fallon and Dr. Mary Anager, the authors of the original Nourishing Traditions cookbook that many of our listeners refer to regularly. Sally Fallon is also the founder and president of the Weston A. Price Foundation, and she'll help us understand why we need these animal fats for fighting things like infertility, depression, and chronic disease. Be sure to tune in next Saturday. You really won't want to miss this one. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I want to share some very old but very relevant research that was reported in the Journal of Lipids 14 years ago. Can you believe that 2003 (laughs) was 14 years ago? (laughs) So this research found that 50 children with ADHD whose diets were supplemented with 480 milligrams of DHA daily demonstrated fewer behavioral problems. We know one omega-3 DHA, or well, we know that the omega-3 DHA, and I always remember that as depression, hyperactivity, and anxiety. Good one. DHA. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is critical for neurotransmission, so for brain health, and it can help to reduce aggressive behavior, impulsivity, depression, and hyperexcitability. Sounds like. Depression, hyperactivity, (laughs) and anxiety. So when buying a DHA supplement, we recommend buying one that's made from algae. And that helps, you know, if you are someone with a fish allergy. Correct. Then you can still take that DHA. Algae. It's great. Yeah. Yep. And at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we have both a liquid as well as a capsule form. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So taking two to three of those DHA capsules per day. Can can, really help. It can really help. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you need more information on DHA, give the office a call, 651-699-3438. And the front desk staff can answer your questions or they can get a nutritionist to, to help, help you answer questions as well. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we went to break, Brenna, we were talking about that fast food meal and we were specifically talking about the fries in it. And, um, you know, it might be interesting to know that the average American child consumes a fast food meal one out of every three days. Now, I suspect that's a little bit low, that statistic. It seems to be. Well, like I say, I think a lot of school lunches are basically fast food. I I would agree with that, too. Yeah. Uh, This statistic is even more frightening, is that 25% of American toddlers consume French fries or fried potatoes each and every day. So a quarter of our little toddlers have French fries or fried tater potatoes. tots, hash browns, most yeah. likely made with bad oils, those yes. refined or hydrogenated oils, or with a lot of additives. Now, our children today are really now having these fast food brains and fast food bodies. It's really no wonder the number of children diagnosed with ADHD has skyrocketed over the past 11 years. Now, let's talk about... Juice drinks. Okay. Yes. So juice drinks from grapes, apples, raspberries, maybe, you know, that sounds better than a soda. Mm -hmm. But really, ounce for ounce, juice has just as much sugar in it as a soda. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that's like a good 12 teaspoons of sugar. So would you go to your pantry Mm -hmm. with a glass, put 12 teaspoons of sugar in it? And hand it to your child. And hand it to your child. Mm-mm. But that's what we're doing with juice and soda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does it affect their brains? Well, a study conducted by the University of South Carolina 
found that the more sugar a hyperactive child ate, the more destructive and more restless he or she became. Mm -hmm. And another study at Yale University found that when children with ADHD ate an excessive amount of sugar, many of those children became more inattentive. Sugar can really pull your brain off. It really Uh, can. You know, you know, it just reminded me, I have a client who I saw recently. And when she was a kid, she does struggle with ADHD Mm -hmm. and all of her years growing up, she would have night terrors and sleepwalking and working with her within a month. You know, we got her not eating sugar, especially before bedtime. She doesn't have night terrors anymore. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Isn't it? Maybe that sugar did. Did they scramble on her brain? It kind of scrambled her brain there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, in the state of Minnesota, we now know that ADHD affects 11.5% of the children between the ages of four and 17. So I used to be an elementary school teacher. And if I was a teacher today with a classroom of 26 children, I could potentially have three students with ADHD in that class. Now, with such a large classroom, it really becomes a problem for me, the teacher, and also a problem for this child with ADHD. So let's go back to the ingredients in those chicken nuggets, because I don't think most people realize that they contain some chemicals that could cause ADHD symptoms to occur. Ah, there's, you know, we talked about like the modified food starch. Yep. But there's this other sneaky ingredient in those nuggets. It's a seasoning and it's called autolyzed yeast extract. And what that really means or is referring to is MSG, monosodium glutamate. Now, some people know that, you know, uh, um, that they're sensitive to MSG, but at least 15% of us have this MSG sensitivity. After, and, you know, you'll, you'll experience different symptoms after eating the, uh, the food with the MSG. You might experience a headache or nausea, heart palpitations, or e- even facial swelling. But a child or an adult with ADHD who's got this MSG sensitivity may also lose focus and get agitated or become really irritable. Not great. No, not great at all. I had a client one time and it would cause body pain. Ooh. Like just horrible body pain. Not good. No. Okay. So we've discussed the ingredients in chicken nuggets, French fries, these juice drinks, and why these foods are not good for really anybody's brain function. Right. Especially somebody with sensitive brain mm-hmm. function, someone with ADHD. But there's another food that I think a lot of people like, yeah. a lot of kids like, pizza. Pizza pie. Pizza. Many of our pizza lovers may recognize that pizza is one of America's favorite fast foods. And I bet you didn't know that 93% of Americans eat pizza at least once a month. Hmm. 93% of Americans eat it at least wow. once a month. Wow. So, but that's a lot of pizza. That is a lot of pizza. And that breaks down to about 23 pounds of pizza consumed per person per year and translates into nearly $40 billion of pizza sold every year. I'm not surprised. Think of all the pizza commercials. Uh huh. I know. Yeah. Pizza everywhere. Yes. You know, and uh, you know, many of us love pizza. But there can be a downside to eating pizza for a large number of people, particularly those with ADHD. Um, As listeners, you may be thinking, well, how can pizza have a negative effect on brain function? So let's just look at what eating a pizza could cause, like what kind of symptoms for your child or 
you if you're an adult with ADHD? Well, first of all, most pizza crust is going to be made from wheat flour. Mm -hmm. I'd probably say unless it's labeled gluten-free. Correct. It's going to be made from wheat flour. And we all know that wheat and gluten are the some of the most common food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and for people with ADHD, gluten can be a big problem. Mm -hmm. And that food sensitivity creates inflammation in both the body and the brain. So when somebody with ADHD has a food sensitivity that causes inflammation in their brain, they will probably experience more symptoms. And, you know, a lot of my ADHD clients who are gluten sensitive have told me that they love eating pizza so much that they scrape the topping off the crust and just eat the topping. Mm. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work well for those gluten sensitive people because the topping is contaminated by the gluten from the crust. And for many people with ADHD who are gluten sensitive, even a small amount of gluten is going to cause that inflammation that you just talked about. There's just a cascade of inflammation throughout the body and brain, which can lead to those, those symptoms, the distractibility or procrastination or more depression. Yes. It's a sad cycle. It is a sad cycle. And pizza also includes cheese. And uh, yeah, yeah, we referenced a study earlier in the show talking about how I think it was 64 percent of kids with ADHD have a food sensitivity. Yes. And what they actually found was the number one sensitivity was dairy. Dairy can be a big, big, big dairy. Problem I'm finding here. it to be a really big problem for people. Mm -hmm. So what is dairy? OK, that counts for your cheese, your yogurt, ice cream, pudding, milk, milk, cottage cheese. Mm -hmm. If it came out of a cow's udder. It That's counts as dairy. Dairy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, personally, I think one of the biggest issues with pizza is the amount of sugar that's in each piece. But those it's salty. Carbs. Where's the sugar coming from? <laughs> that crust. That crust is full of carbs, and those carbs turn into sugar. You probably wouldn't guess that there are nine teaspoons of sugar in each slice of pizza. So if you eat three pieces, which is pretty typical for most people, you've consumed about 27 teaspoons of sugar. Kate, when I was in high school, I could eat three to four slices of pizza. Yeah. And then I could eat another two to three slices of dessert pizza. Oh, whoopsie. How do you think I felt after that? <laughs> yeah. Pretty spacey. Pretty spacey. Not yeah. great. Very <gasps> tired. So when people eat too much sugar from cookies, donuts, candy, soda, pizza, chips, cereal, over time, they might encounter more trouble processing information, having memory problems, depression, anxiety, all of which many adults with ADHD are very prone to experiencing on a daily basis. They just kind of feel yep. a little just out of it, not great every not day. Grounded. Yeah, yeah, not grounded. That's a good way to put it. And I think we should probably be getting on to our last break here. All righty. Well, again, I'm going to remind you, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I also want to remind you of our Menopause Survival Seminar, which is being held on November 4th from 1030 to 330 in St. Paul. I'll be teaching with registered nurse Diane Forsland and Dara Kavist, who has studied perimenopause and menopause for the past 20 years and is the founder of Nutritional Weight and Wellness and Dishing Up Nutrition, as many of you listeners know. And between the three of us, we will all have the answer. We will have all the answers to your menopause questions, and we're going to bring you a lot of fun and joy to the day. As an added bonus, we're going to serve you a delicious organic lunch and snack. So, if you're interested in this seminar, 
Call our office at 651-699-3438 to sign up now, and you can save $50. The receptionist there will be happy to answer any of your questions that you might have about that seminar. And we'll be right back. I'm a dude, a guy. I've got hair everywhere. I don't diet or nibble, and I never say things like, can I get the vinaigrette on the side? My buddies would punch me, right in my very large gut, which is unsightly but doesn't bother me as much as my high cholesterol. So what does a man like me do in a case like this? I say, fine, when my wife makes an appointment with a nutritionist, even though I'm sure they're going to make me eat like a ballerina. But to my surprise, my counselor at Nutritional Weight and Wellness has me eating more like a caveman. Meat, vegetables, butter. Oh, I can honk down anything with butter. Like a giant pile of broccoli with my grass-fed steak or sautéed spinach with baked chicken. Skin on. Real cream in my coffee and real shock on my doc's face when he sees my cholesterol is back to normal. I'm so happy I could do a pirouette. But I won't. Learn the truth about food at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Book a nutrition counseling appointment today. Call 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Today, Kate and I are discussing nutrition for ADHD. We believe that ADHD is a serious health condition, and we understand the value of real food and how it can help reduce symptoms. We also want to help you to understand the value of real food. So we're offering our very first Saturday ADHD seminar, the Food Connection to ADHD. We're going to be uh, teaching this on November 18th from 9.30 to 1 p.m. If you register by November 11th, you can save $20 with the early bird special. Hmm. Yeah, if you need a little more information, you just call 651-699-3438. And if you're thinking, oh gosh, 9.30 to 1 what about lunch? Mm. Well, we've got you covered. <laughs> of course we do. Yes, we do. So there will be food provided. And I promise it won't be chicken nuggets and french fries. <laughs> right. And speaking of those chicken nuggets and french fries, you were talking a lot about sugar, sugar before we went to break and how that affects people with ADHD. Yes. So people with ADHD or people just with sensitive brain chemistry. Yes. Do not respond well to these high carb, high sugar foods. So things like... Pizza crust mm-hmm. and bagels, cookies, cookies, cereal. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you eat those foods, those carbohydrates turn into sugar in your body. You get a blood sugar spike. You get a big insulin push from mm-hmm. your pancreas. And then all of a sudden that sugar comes crashing down. And you feel? You feel anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Spacey. Spacey. And mm-hmm. I've actually found that when my Tired. blood sugar is high... So we often, no, it's not that I get, Kate's over here like <laughs> shivering and shaking. No, I get so tired. Ah, uh, like It's I've, too much. It's way too much. It's, you know, we talk about like, I don't know, the food coma. Yeah. It's yes. like an hour after you eat that high carb food. Do you feel like you just need a nap? Yes. That's because you have a high blood sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably over 150. Oh, not good. Yeah. So not yeah. good. And I think as a society, we think of sugar as being harmless. Mm-hmm. But there is nothing harmless no. about some of the health symptoms that are caused by these high sugar, high carb foods for people who have ADHD or yep. anxiety, yep. depression. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And we at Nutritional Weight and Wellness have to say food matters. And when we're addressing ADHD symptoms, for sure, we've discussed what people who have ADHD shouldn't eat. But let's take a look at what foods you should be feeding your kids who have ADHD or what foods 
you, if you're an adult with ADHD, should be choosing? Because this is the important stuff. Well, at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we believe that eating only protein and only fat, which is kind of that super low-carb Atkins type approach, Mm -hmm. might help with weight loss and maybe some other things, but it's not always a good long-term solution for your body and your brain. Yeah, Many people do really need some fruits and some vegetables in their diets to help them stay healthy and to keep them from getting bored with their food. Absolutely. Yes. So we need a good balance of those healthy proteins, eggs, meat, fish, our beneficial fats that Kate talked about earlier, olive Mm -hmm. oil, butter, coconut oil, avocados, and then having real carbohydrates, vegetables and fruit while we eliminate those processed carbs and sugar. And that's the key. You know, Dr. Daniel Amen in his book, Making a Good Brain Great, quoted some research that he undertook at the Amen Clinic. Actually, he did this study with five ADHD students, and one of them was his son. Dr. Amen had them follow a diet which included the protein balanced with some real carbohydrates, and by that we mean fruits and vegetables, and some healthy fats. Uh, He also supplemented these students with omega-3 fish oil. And Dr. Amen found that all five of these students performed better in school and their brain scans also showed positive changes. The brain scans showed more calming in the overactive areas in their brains. Hmm. These areas were involved in their mood control and supported the concentration centers of their brain. Wow. That is pretty impressive. So actually those foods and the omega-3s helped to let these kids focus. Yes, which is important for them when they're sitting in their classroom. Classroom. So, you know, this is critical for kids with ADHD. And Dr. Amen found that a balanced diet along with those omega-3 fatty acids just really improved their overall brain function. And you know what? There were no negative side effects. How interesting. The only side effects were that they had clearer skin, less body fat, Hmm. more energy, Probably better grades. Yeah. Now, who wouldn't want that? I don't know. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, Brenna, let's do a little wrap-up of the show. Uh, And in this, let's just talk about six ways that are really good to feed your brain. Sounds great. Okay? So one way is to start with a great brain-building breakfast. Yes. So I'm going to give you a couple ideas. You could have a couple... Organic two, for instance, organic eggs cooked in butter. Or if you're my husband, four. Oh boy, nummy, <laughs> nummy. A couple of slices of nitrate-free bacon. Maybe a cup of spinach or broccoli that you saute in coconut oil and a half a cup of cooked brown rice. So that would be one option. A little different than what people might think. Yeah. Another choice might be, uh, I mentioned this before with our caller, the protein muffin, which is uh, the recipe you can find in our cookbook, yep, and you can order that online. So have a protein muffin, which includes some protein powder, whether it's um, our animal protein powder called paleo protein powder, which would probably be the best choice for people with ADHD. Yeah. And then a, cu- a couple of ounces of sausage, nitrate-free sausage. Yum. So well, that's one idea. That's one. Yeah, those are a couple of good breakfast ideas. You know, we also say eat a couple servings of berries every day. We like to call blueberries brain berries. Very because, good. Yes, they are such a wonderful source of antioxidants that help prevent free radical damage to our brain cells. 
So and another way to feed your brain is in place of the bread and cereal and oatmeal, how about including a serving of sweet potato or this time of year, winter squash would be a great option. Again, these are full of antioxidants. These, these foods, the sweet potato and winter squash, are also just an excellent source of carbohydrate that helps to keep blood sugar balanced. Well, and number four, you know, Popeye ate spinach to build his muscles and strength, but we can eat spinach or kale or Swiss chard to get lots of vitamin C and folate. And that's really good for our moods, our memory, learning, and overall brain function. Those, those um, nutrients are really critical for brain function. And it, it is worth repeating that spinach and a lot of vegetables are going to be really, really helpful for getting your neurotransmitters to work properly. Yes. And that's what we're after when we have issues with brains, uh, whether it's ADHD or anxiety or depression. Well, and Kate, I don't, um, I think we have a few minutes here. We do have a caller, Kathy. All right. Yeah. Miss Kathy, you only have like two minutes. <laughs> Can we help you? Okay. I have a question. Um, I suffered a concussion, traumatic brain injury, and a car accident and have been told that uh, food can help with brain healing in that matter. Um, have you guys ever addressed that? We have. We have yes. Lots of clients with concussions. So food for sure. And again, I think you need to, to um, start with our balanced food, whether you know, you've got to eat protein, fat, and carbs, and especially these fats, these healthy, healthy fats will help to heal your brain, the, the brain, the brain tissue, the yep. neurons in your brain will function better. Um, I would also recommend that you take the DHA mm-hmm. algae supplement, possibly as many as six a day yeah. for a, peri- a short period of time. Um, and I was just listening to our show last week with uh, Shelby and maybe Cara. I think was on it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was Shelby and Cara. Um, and they were talking about, they talk about brain health mm-hmm. in that show. And then I think like a year and a half ago, we had, is it Dr. Walsh? Yes. On our show. And he talked about traumatic brain injury. Ah. Yes. Okay. I did that show. Oh, you oh. did that show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so does that kind of help you out there, Kathy? Yeah. Do you, do you ever plan on having like a class? For that? No, but you know, in your situation, I think it might be important to do a consultation because there might be other factors that that are you know that we could address with you individually. It's hard sure. to do it generally. Mm-hmm. Each person sure. uh, you has know, little has, tweaks. Yeah, little specifics that we're much better at um, addressing in an individual consultation. Okay. So that would be my recommendation. Okay. Thanks Thank for your you call. So Thank you, Kathy. So. Another way to improve your brain, feed it mackerel, salmon, herring, and anchovies, all good sources of omega-3s. That will help your learning and your behavior. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.